The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. So uh, Colossians, let, let me, let me kind of give you some uh, thoughts on Colossians. Uh, back in September, uh, we started in the book of Colossians, uh, and we covered the first two chapters, uh, and it took us 11 weeks Two chapters, 11 weeks, all right, so that's, I'm no math major, but but five and a half weeks uh, per chapter, and so it took us a while to get through the first two chapters, but uh, we're going to continue on uh, with the book of Colossians today, Uh, and so uh, chapter three is really where we're going to be, but let me just uh, sum up for you uh, Colossians. Hopefully it's going to uh, take us up to the spring, uh, hopefully spring of this year, not 2015, but... Uh, in, in, chapter, in chapter one, uh, basically all we've done is up to this point is, is we've talked about Jesus. Uh, we've talked about Jesus and uh, uh, we've talked about the gospel. And in chapter one, Paul basically uh, talks to his church and says, uh, I, I give thanks for you. Uh, I give thanks for you because I see the fruit of the gospel uh, bearing fruit in you. And, and that basically is a term that says, I see God doing something in you and through you. That's what we refer to as bearing fruit. And so, and so I, he says, I give thanks because you have love for one another. Uh, the gospel is moving forward through the world. And, and I see Jesus really uh, being exalted in your life. And so that's, that's really chapter one. And then he comes into saying, uh, the reason why that is is because... Because, because Jesus is greater than everything. All right? and, and so uh, really starting in, in verse 15 all the way through the rest, uh, he says Jesus is better uh, than anything in this world. He says Jesus is better uh, than your circumstance. Jesus is better than your situation. Jesus is better than anything on earth. Jesus is better than anything in heaven. Jesus is better than anything that is seen. Jesus is better than anything unseen. Uh, Jesus is really better than everything. And because of that, uh, because of that greatness of Jesus Christ, he says, so that he would be exalted, so that he would be preeminent, so that he would be the ultimate uh, of our focus and our worship. And God shows his greatness in everything by triumphing over everything, making peace by the blood uh, shed on his cross. And so really what we've talked about in chapter one is, is the greatness and the glory and the renown of Jesus Christ. And, and then in chapter two, he begins to say, stand firm in the faith then. Since Jesus is greater, I want, you to, I want you to stand firm in the faith. I want you to be rooted and grounded in the faith. I don't want you to be taken captive. I don't want you tossed to and fro from the waves. I want you to stand firm in this faith, in the fact that Jesus is greater than everything. I want you to grow up in Christ who is Lord. And, and so today we have to ask the question because chapter 1 and chapter 2 constantly points to it. Is are we in Christ? He says in Christ there's going to be fruit. In Christ you're going to be rooted and grounded in the faith. In Christ you're not going to be tossed by deceptive philosophies. And so I think the question we have to start with today is are you in Christ? Are you, are you believing in Christ? Have you received Jesus Christ? Are you in him? Do you know him? 
Does your heart and your soul, does it, does it cling to him? And so if we were just to take a moment today and just really examine our hearts, I guess the question that we would have to ask is, is are you in Christ? Do you believe? Have you received him? And the reason why we have to start with that question is because chapter 3 is a very pivotal point for us. Let me show you what I mean. Look in chapter 3. We have to start with the question, are you in Christ? Do you believe in Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth? Have you believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead? Have you confessed that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Uh, Look at chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, if, then, you have been raised with Christ... Okay, I need to stop right there because Paul is about to give us some instructions, all right? He's going he's gonna to start to give us some instructions about what it means to be alive in Christ and some instructions about sanctification and Christian living. But we have to clarify who he's talking to here. Now, let me ask you, is he talking to everyone? No. He's talking to those who have been raised with Christ. And so the question that we have to start with this morning, the question that you have to start every day with, the question that we start every service with is, am I in Christ? Do I believe in Jesus Christ? He says, if, if you've been raised with Christ, which is, which is past tense. Do you see that? If you've been raised with him, if you've been raised with Christ, if you've been made alive in Christ, uh, uh, look, look in chapter 2. Let me, just, let me just give you a little explanation on this. Uh, chapter 2, verse 9, all right? It says, for in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity uh, dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of of all rule and all authority, in him, in Christ, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Now let me, let me clarify what, that, what he's referring to here. All right, Because uh, God's people in the Old Testament were seen and marked by some type of external circumcision. And so these are God's people. How do we know? Is because they've been, they've been circumcised. There's, a, there's an outward marking of God's people. But this is what it says. It says, in him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Which means God who molds and shapes by putting off every body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Look in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. That is, a, that is a symbol of someone who is in Christ, who's come to know Jesus, who says, I've been baptized, I've been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. You've been raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, But God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And so 
So the question, have you been raised with Christ? Have you been made alive with Christ? The reason why I have to spend the entire introduction on this question, all right, hear me, is because if we don't clarify that he's talking, if we miss the fact that he's talking to those who have been justified by faith through grace in Christ alone, then what we'll begin to believe that whatever he says next is what makes us right before God. If we don't clarify that it is by grace through faith, it is God alone who brings alive. It is God alone who raises you from the dead. If we don't clarify that it is in the grace and the faith in Jesus Christ that makes us alive, then we'll begin to read forward in this chapter and think, maybe that's what makes me right before God. You you tracking with that? And so he says, if you have been raised with Christ, I've I've got some instructions for you. God alone justifies, that's it. That's it. We need to understand that We have nothing to offer him. There's nothing we can bring to him that would make us right before him. There's no amount of good works, no amount of good effort. But it's faith in his good work and his good effort. It is only by grace through faith in Christ that we're made alive. Are you with me? And the reason why God does this is so that... No man can boast. Ephesians 2 says, It is God who made you alive so that you can't boast. The fact is is that we were dead in our sin and trespasses. Ezekiel 16 paints this enormous picture that says, I saw you wallowing in your blood, and I rescued you. I brought you to myself. I cleaned you up. I dressed you. I clothed you. The fact is is that when we were dead, God had mercy on us and he brought us alive. All right. Now, if you have received him, if you have believed in him, in his work, and look at what it says, look at what happens. Chapter 3, verse 1 again. It says, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of this earth. Now, now let, me, let me help you with this. Because this is what we see biblically. This is what we see historically. And this is what I've seen personally in my walk. Is that those in whom the spirit dwells. It says that when we believe. When we receive Christ by faith. It says the Holy Spirit seals us. Is in us. And so historically, those whom the Spirit dwells and those whom uh, are sealed with the Holy Spirit, there is and there will be a deep desire to be transformed. Those in whom the 
say Jesus is my Lord, those who have come to faith by the grace of God, those in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, there, there will be an, an angst, there will be a heart, there will be a longing, there will be a wanting to be challenged and transformed into Christ-likeness, into being sanctified more and more and more like Christ. Let me make this clear. In our flesh, outside of the Holy Spirit, there will be no desire to want the things of God. In our ways, in our flesh, there will not be any hope, any wanting the things of God. But only one who has been sealed with the Holy Spirit can someone say, I have a longing to see Christ. And so the question is, if the result of being made alive of Christ, if we've been made alive with Christ, then the next question is, is, is there a desire in your life to be transformed? Is there a desire in your life to want the things of God, to, to chase Jesus? Maybe a question is, is the Holy Spirit in you? If you've been raised with Christ, there should be a desire to be transformed. That's what we see in the scriptures. There should be a desire to press in. Now, now let me show you how this happens. Okay? Look in verse 1 again. If, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things of this earth. Now let me, let me reiterate something here. Seeking things that are above, seeking Christ, does not make you right before God. But because I've been made right before God through the cross of Christ and the Holy Spirit compelling me, then I then have the ability to set my mind on things of Christ. Are you with me in that? I have the ability to set my mind, my thoughts, on Christ where Jesus is. And so it's not, it's not set your mind on things and then you'll be justified before God. It's because you're justified before God, you set your minds on things that are above. You set your minds on Christ. It's a very unique ability that we have um, as humans to be able to set our minds on things that we choose. You realize that? We have the ability to begin to focus our minds on things that we choose. It's, it's not like, it, it's not like we're, we're animals where we're really governed and, and led by, by instinct or, or some type of impulse, right? I mean, at my house, if I cook some bacon, my dogs will come and they're like, bacon, oh, bacon. I hold a piece of bacon. Look, there's bacon. I love bacon, right? And we, we, are, we are governed, we're controlled by this impulse. Of this. Look, a squirrel, oh, squirrel. And then the dogs just begin to take off. Look, and so we are governed in some sense by instinct or impulse, right? Oh, look, something shiny. We, we, 
we have this strength where we are governed in some sense. As soon as I said bacon, some of you sat up real good. Oh, wow, bacon, I'm ready. <laughs> and, and so at some level, but, but here's, here's what I know, is that we're not like, like my dog at home. We do have the ability to set our minds on things that we choose. Look in, look in uh, Romans 8, 5. I think I've got it up here. It says, Those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, things of this world, things that will satisfy me, things that will comfort me, things that will make me feel good, things that will make much of me. And so those who are in the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. So if you've been made alive, if you've been raised with Christ, we are transformed by setting our minds on Christ, on things that are above. Not on things of this earth, but things that are above. Things that we can choose to set our minds on. I was reading an article was written in 1993 on the life of the mind and the desiring God, John Piper. He says this. He says, I sense that we have become far too passive in our pursuit of change and wholeness and peace. Let me stop right there. If you've been made alive in Christ, there will be the Holy Spirit in you. When the Holy Spirit is in you, then there will be a desire to be transformed, a desire for challenge, a desire for change, a desire to grow in Christ-likeness. And he says, he says, I feel like we're far too passive in our pursuit of this. In our therapeutic age, we have fallen into a passive mindset of simply talking through our problems. Dealing with our issues, discovering the roots of our brokenness and our family origin, as helpful as these may be, they are helpful, but he says, as helpful as these may be, we tend to slip into a passive way of thinking about change. Change that may come to me one of those days as I just talk through my problems. Okay. We all have a history of sin. Amen? We all have it. We all come from a long line of sinners. Anybody's parents perfect? So there's generational sins, there's a history of sin, there's personal sin. And so I believe it's helpful and beneficial to understand my my sinfulness, my brokenness, the lies that I'm believing, the things that's keeping me from walking the way that God wants me to walk. And so I believe it's helpful and, and really beneficial to really understand your sin, your Current sin and your past sin. I believe that is absolutely true. 
But the single act of just simple sinful discovery and the simple act of just talking through my issues, that alone is not what the scripture says transforms me. I say confess your sins, as it says in 1 John. It says confess your sins. If you claim to be without sin, you're a liar. So it says confess your sins. James 5, it says confess your sins to one another. Psalm 32, it says when I kept quiet about my transgressions, about my sin, my bones wasted away, there was discomfort in me, and there was groaning all day long. Sometimes we have to unveil that. We have to, we have to speak that out. We have to get that out. But this verse tells us that if you've been raised with Christ, it is not simply just a passive pursuit, but I see a very aggressive one. Set your minds on Christ. Set your minds on the things above. Seek the things that are in Christ, things that are heavenly, where Christ is. There's a very aggressive pursuit in the scriptures when we are made alive in Christ. We throw off the old self and we pursue Christ. That's how we're transformed, guys. Uh, Philippians 4, 8. Got it up here? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set your minds on these things. Look in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance. This is not a passive. This is a running. This is an endurance run. Let us run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If you're struggling to be transformed, if you're struggling to chase Christ, to confess, yes, but fix your eyes on things that are above. Set your minds on things above. Because if you've been raised, seek Jesus If you've been raised, set your mind on Jesus. And so if that's the the instruction by Paul here, if you've been raised, set your mind on Jesus. If that's the command, then the question has to be asked, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. I think it's going to look differently for every one of us. To be honest with you. But I do believe there's going to be some things in common that will be true for all of us. 
You see, I, I believe you can guess about the things of God. I believe you can create your own God, you can create your own theories about God, or you can humble yourself to the way that God has chosen to reveal himself. I mean, through the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. And so I believe that at the center of us fixing our minds on Jesus lies the Bible. It's the scriptures. And so it's, it's in the Bible that God chooses to reveal himself without the Holy Spirit revealing himself through the scriptures. We won't understand or we won't know. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But if you've been made alive in Christ, then the scriptures are going to be at the foundation of you setting your mind on the things of God. That's how it's going to be. So it's why we preach the Bible. It's why we teach the Bible. It's why every time I get up here, I say, open your Bibles. All right? You, you following that? And so, and so the Bible has to be at the central of who, who Christ is, setting our minds on Christ. But I believe it's not just that. But I would say, number two, it involves, it would involve prayer. So you've got the Bible. You've got prayer. Now, now, now listen. Prayer, it's a communing with God. It, yeah, it's, it's not only involves us talking to God. I think we're good at talking. But, but we don't just simply go to God uh, like, he's, like he's some Santa in the sky or some divine butler that wants to fetch me the things that I need. All right, and so, and so we are to make our requests known to God, yes, but I think prayer is so much more than that. I think we've got that down, but, but I think it's much more than that. It's saying, God, this is my heart. God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to feel your presence. God, I want you to speak to me. This is, a, this is a two-way street. It's not just me ringing the bell and calling on you and saying, this is what I need, but it's, it's asking God to speak. And so I believe it involves the scripture, involves the Bible. I also believe it involves prayer. But it also involves other people. It has to involve other people. And some of you lone rangers out there, I know you don't like this. It has to involve other people. Setting your mind on things that are above, things that are in Christ. It involves the scriptures, it involves prayer. But it's also a community of others who also want to set their minds on things that are above. Now, now hear me, don't mishear me. Because it's not just simply hanging out with other people. I don't want you to get confused by this. It's not just simply uh, being in a room full of people. But it's, it's joining life together with other people who also desire to seek the things of Christ. 
You don't, just, you don't just go somewhere and talk about football or talk about the government or talk about different issues. I mean, I think that's part of it. But when you get together with other people, there needs to be other people around you that have a hunger to be changed and transformed. That wants to set their minds on the things of Christ. And so... So I believe it involves the scriptures, I believe it involves prayer, and I also believe it involves a gospel-centered community. But I think it's much, much, much more than that, and that's why it's going to look different for all of you. One of the questions that I like to ask, one of the questions that I hope you are asking in your heart, is what are the things that when I do them, really stirs my worship for Jesus? What are the things that when I'm involved in them, when I'm doing them, when I place myself in this situation or this circumstance, it really stirs my affections for God? What are those things? You've got to ask yourself that question, and you've got to be able to answer it. What are the things that when I'm in it, it really just stirs my heart and my hope in Jesus Christ? What are those things? For some of you, it may involve music. Huh? For some of you, it may, it may involve reading or study. Some of you, maybe it's a long walk in the woods. I don't know. Maybe it's getting alone. Maybe it's turning the phone off. I, it, what are those things that you're in there? It really just says, man, I really feel close to the Lord right now. And so you've got to ask yourself that question and answer it. What are those things? But I, I think alongside of that is how do we set our minds on things that are above? You, you, you've got to ask yourself, what robs those affections? What steals those affections? And so not only what is it that when I'm around them really stirs my worship, but what is it that really steals my joy? What really steals my worship? What are those things? And you've got to be able to answer that. It's why he says, set your mind on things that are above and not on things of this earth. So you've got to be aware of the things that are on earth that rob you. You with me? And so it's going to involve scripture. It's going to involve prayer. It's going to involve community. It's going to involve you answering those questions. And if I had to bet, for the majority of us, the thing that robs our affections for Jesus is not something uh, statistically, uh, morally wicked, but rather something that maybe lies in the middle, something that's maybe morally neutral. It's not those things that I can go into the Bible and say, see, that's wicked, that's sinful, stop that. It's, it's, those, it's those little neutral things that really are probably those things that, that rob your affections for Jesus. Uh, let me give you an example. How many of you got one of these? Go ahead, hold, hold it up. Shiny? They're lit up right now. You guys are on it. Oh, look, I got three unanswered emails. This is a great tool in our world. Is it not? This tool can be used to stir your affections for God. Or it could rob your affections and your worship for God. Now hear me. 
just because you got a Bible app doesn't mean it's used to stir your affections for God. Okay, so, so if, if, if we're being real, if we're being honest, we spend a lot of time on our phones, on our iPads, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, Angry Birds, Candy Crush Saga. We spend a lot of time in front of televisions. We set our minds on those things. And so I'm not going to tell you Facebook is wicked. I'm not going to tell you if you have an iPhone, it's of the devil. I'm not going to tell you that Twitter is wicked or sinful or wrong. What I'm saying is you are. I'm not saying these things are sinful. I'm saying we're sinful. I'm sinful. So I need to be aware of those things that rob my affections and things that stir my affections. What is it that when I do them, they they really steal from me or rob from me? And what are the things that I do that really, really bring worship to Jesus? Okay, and here's the reality. I have not done a good job at this. Sorry. I struggle with this. Because the scripture says that I am to set my mind on Christ. my heart on Christ and my eyes on him and, and to make Jesus my pursuit and make Jesus my ultimate. And, and I really struggle. You know why? Because I focus on things like ministry, this church. I focus on things that need to be done. I focus on on comfort. I focus so much on like being a successful pastor. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I could probably sit here on this stool and tell you with my knowledge, but but I like, like I don't know what that means in my heart, my soul, and I spend so much time. Just not seeking Christ, but seeking, seeking work that needs to be done and then just putting Jesus' name on it. You know what I mean? Is there anybody else? Small woman. I need Jesus. I need Jesus so much. 
I need Jesus more than I need him to speak through me up here. I, I need him to speak in me. I need a transformed heart. I want that. Listen, I need you, guys. Like, like I need you for encouragement. I need you for help. I need you for rebuke. I need, I need you. Because I want to grow to know him. I want to see his face. I want to walk away from the things that, that choke my affections for him. And I need you. I need Jesus. Okay. So here's, here's the good news. I've been made alive in Christ. I've been raised with Christ. And the good news is, is that his love for me and his love for you is not based on your performance or your obedience. But his love for me is based on his obedience and his perfect performance. And how good is God that even in the midst of my shortcomings and my brokenness, that he would love me, that he would call me his own, that, that even in my weakness, he would say, you're mine. Look at what it says. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of this earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, I love that. I love that. He says, when Christ who is your life, Jesus is my life. When he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The mark of a mature believer, someone who's, who's maturing, who's been raised with Christ, is in those moments that we stumble and we fail. It ultimately leads us to more worship. It ultimately leaves us sitting here. How great is God that, that I'm hidden with him. That I, don't have to, that I don't have to build something that would reach him. But he's, he's hidden me with him. And, and then I'm in him. And, and he is my life. I've died with Christ. I'm hidden with Christ. And so when he appears, I will also appear with him. It's that, it's that great news. It's that great life that compels me to want to seek him. To put my mind on him. To set my mind on Christ. It's that love that motivates me to say, I need him more. I need him more. And it's that love of Christ that compels me 
to not only set my mind on things that are above, but to put to death other things. So we're going to talk about that next week. And so as the band comes up, I'm just going to end with a couple of questions for us. Have you been raised with Christ? Have you, have you been made alive in Jesus? Is there a desire in you? Has the Holy Spirit compelling you to say, I want more of him, I want to be transformed by him? L- listen, listen, not, not perfect, but willing. Not, not, not I've arrived, but I'm willing to chase it. I'm willing to run. I'm willing to, to get rid of things. I'm willing to, to set my mind on him. Where's your mindset is the question. What stirs your heart for Jesus? What robs your mind from Jesus? You know, I believe it's really easy to go, yeah, my mind's set on Christ. I'm here, aren't I? But maybe the better question is, is how? How is your mind set on the things that are in Christ? How is your mind fixed upon Jesus? How is your heart stirred for the things of God? Maybe, maybe this gathering, maybe this service here today, maybe that's one of those things. It is for me. But what about tomorrow? What about the rest of your life? What about those days? What are you setting your mind on? Let's not play games. I I think one of my greatest fears is that so many of us have been in church so long. You know? Like we know the right answers, we know what to say, we know what not to say, but we haven't really applied any of it to our lives. Let me end with this. If then you have been raised with Christ, we say in our hearts, we say in our minds, Christ is my life. And let's see him. Let's set our hearts on him today. Let's pray. I know for some of us there needs to be some confession, there needs to be some repentance, and that's that's part of it. But do not walk out of here without setting your mind and your focus on Jesus. Jesus, I know you hear me when I call to you.
know you hear me even when I don't. I know you see the desires of my heart and the things that my mind is fixed upon. Jesus, will you help me? Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit so the power that raised Christ from the dead will to be able to walk away and to fix my eyes on you, Jesus. It's so easy for me to forget, Lord, that you're the one who transforms me. You're the one that changes me. You're the one that gave me a new heart. Jesus, today, lead us. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us. Open my hands and my heart to you, oh God. And ask you, change my life.